0: What's up? And welcome back to Nostalgia Pod, your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. I am Pat Sheehan with my co-host, Father of the Bride, Dave Martinson. Dave! Yo. What's going on, man?
1: Right after we talk about the acronym for the Vampire Weekend album, he just gives us the name, and it's quite tame. Kind of a wasted segment.
0: (laughs) Quite tame. Just a shout out to Steve Martin, though. Old school Father of the Bride. Haven't seen that movie in years. But uh, he resurfaced on SNL this week to play Roger Stone. So quite the week for Steve Martin and Vampire Weekend. Also, shout out to everyone but Roger Stone, I guess, in Santa College for hosting him last year for a a meeting, our alma mater, free speech. I I appreciate that. (laughs) Anyways, (laughs) Dave's like not even touching that. It's not going near it. (laughs) Anyways, we got a lot to talk about this week. Before we do, hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Go to SoundCloud.com slash NostalgiaPod and follow us. Pretty much anywhere you can listen to podcasts, leave, you, leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. We appreciate all the feedback. A lot of music, TV show, we I think we both enjoyed, and then a, a movie that's quite puzzling. We're going to start with the music, though. The on, I want to make sure I get this name right. Better Oblivion Community Center with <laughs> Connor Oberst and Phoebe Bridgers. Talk about confusing. The, the name is confusing, but after listening to them, it, it seemed like an odd pair because... Connor Ober has been around since, I believe it's the early 2000s. Bright Eyes might have even been late 90s even. And he wasn't ever someone that I totally got into, but I like some of some of the Bright Eyes songs. Um, you know, The first day, first day of My Life is obviously the one that people really, I think, stand for the most. But his career kind of took a lull, and especially as he moved more into his solo stuff, has been a lot heavier you know in terms of uh, he's always written very like meaningful lyrics and thoughtful lyrics but it's been very like he's gone through a lot of shit recently i'll put it that way so when i heard he's gonna be teaming up with phoebe bridgers for this album i wasn't totally sure it was gonna work because phoebe bridgers is a very empathic comes from a very like kind perspective and i was like i don't know if these two mesh together did they work together as better oblivion community center yeah i think they did
1: i think uh, they actually had a surprising amount of chemistry i wasn't sure what to expect either especially considering the boy genius EP that Phoebe Bridgers was a part of, that we recently reviewed, Check that out if you missed it. That EP definitely felt like it was good, but at times the trio was taking turns leading a song or taking charge of a song. Whereas for this duo project with Connor Oberst, it definitely sounds like they had more chemistry in the sense that they perhaps wrote a lot of these songs together and really, I don't know, complement each other really well. I think by design, so I thought it uh, flowed pretty well, and yeah. Despite you saying thematically, lyrically, they seem to be on like different ends of the spectrum as far as like indie rock goes. I think they came together pretty nicely in terms of like the message they had. I, I also never really was into Conor Oberst. I see his songs shared a lot, like in like IG stories, and I'm like, not really a guy for me. Not, and he's been in the game a while, like you said. I think he's eight solo albums on top of all the band stuff he's done but now nah, i've never really cared for him that much but i thought this was pretty cool there was a few songs i really actually dug but what was your take on this
0: yeah you know phoebe bridger's album stranger in the alps came out in 2017 then you know the deluxe version dropped last year she's a rising star in the indie world whereas connor Ober is pretty established and i guess i might say moving towards the downswing of his career probably at least in popularity it seems to have waned a bit i thought they mesh together well and i think that makes sense cuz i believe connor actually sang on one of her songs in her album 2017 and when i was reading you know a couple of reviews about this uh, there's a good one on pitchfork that talks about how connor heard phoebe's album and really felt like she brings an empathy that he needs in his life at this point it sounds very much like phoebe is the mind behind the lyrical content at least or the direction of the album it might be more true to say but connor really grabs onto it and runs with it and i i think they not only write songs together really well i think the writing on this is phenomenal but they actually duet together beautifully and i think (laughs) their voices match up and bring a lot of feeling into these songs and i i agree i think that for a band that has a very indie rock name and a very indie rock perspective uh they have some songs here that actually just rock in general i think the the main track that that is coming off this dylan thomas is a banger like that that song i think is freaking awesome i love big black heart a lot i think the ending to that just always like head pounding to it i don't know what else stood out to you what else did you like
1: yeah i really like sleepwalk in the second track and exception to the rule as well i think that both those songs have strong guitars and that's all often my problem with like softer indie stuff or even folk rock which i know he oprah's has dabbled in as well it just is like it's too mellow for me but even when like there's pretty soft spoken the two of them on mm-hmm. this project throughout but I think because it's relatively upbeat, and a lot of times the guitars are actually like they're actually like jamming on the guitars, it sounds pretty good. So as someone who like has a hard time with the soft stuff in this scene, I I thought it worked really well.
0: Yeah, the guitar solo at the end of Sleepwalking is is excellent. Actually, Nick Zinner from the Yeah Yeah Yes is on Dylan Thomas and Dominoes. And I think his guitar work is, not only is it stylistically in line with how he usually sounds with the AAES, but it really drives Dylan Thomas, which I think is probably the song I'll add to the playlist. Check that out. Nostalgia Best of 2019. But they actually are able to flow from these like really more rock-infused songs to the more folky, softer, acoustic songs pretty well. Like Chesapeake, I think, is a song that is pretty mainstream indie acoustic and it's just a beautiful song, beautifully written that they duet together well on. I really like this album, probably one I'll come back to quite a bit. And Connor Oberst, good for him man. I'm glad he's he's getting a win here in twenty nineteen.
1: Yeah, it I was checking too. They put it out on Dead Oceans. That's that indie label that Phoebe Bridgers has been using. It's not the label that Connor has been using recently. And that makes a lot of sense. Attach yourself to the the, the new wave right now. So good idea.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Someone that is kind of creating her own wave. And it's actually interesting to talk about her the week after we talk about Maggie Rogers because I see them in very similar lanes at the moment. Julia Michaels, a songwriter turned singer. She's written for a lot of people, including Bieber, Selena Gomez, big pop names at this point. Yeah. So she dropped her second EP. This one is titled Inner Monologues Part One. And Dave, is Julia Michaels good?
1: Yeah, I think she's definitely a good writer, which makes sense because that's how she came up, like he said, writing for Bieber and Hayley Steinfeld mm-hmm. and Nick Jonas and a bunch of people, lastly in the songs as well. And I think you know she quickly became known as a talent for writing mainstream pop. But then more recently, she started doing Owen Music, was nominated for Best New Artist at the Grammys last year. Of course, Leslie Cara won. And she had that big song, Issues, and which was a big hit for her. But I've never really been that, that like impressed with her as a vocalist as a performer per se but i think because the songs are written really well she's still successful she kind of reminds me of taylor swift honestly someone who huh. all of the window dressing all of the other components of songwriting and song making buoy up every her relative weakness which i think is her voice i say it's bad but it doesn't stand out to me but yeah i thought uh, you know for an 18 minute ep you know you can actually i think listen to this and I mean, don't really get attached to some of the songs. The obviously the lead single with Selena, uh, "Anxiety," was getting a lot of love in terms of just the, the lyrics, not because it's you know, that like bombastic of a song for a, for a Selena Gomez song or anything. But you know, I think she's not going to go away, obviously. But I'm curious to see how many other hits she makes because "Issues" was big, and probably bigger than I expected. And I think it's probably went you know stream really well because it, a lot of kids atta- uh, you know got attached to it and connected with the song. So if she's, you know, that good of a writer that she can keep doing this, I think she is, in fact, a good artist, you know, even if uh, she doesn't maybe jump off the page right away.
0: Yeah, I agree. Her vocals leave a little bit to be desired, but I think her songwriting is just she's able to infuse pop with a message so well, like anxiety you know great message it's got Selena Gomez on it probably one of the songs that I, I liked most of this was happy and it's funny because the line I, I keep coming back to when she just says I just want to be yep. fucking happy and it's so simple but just the way that she delivers it the way that she kind of couches it into the chorus and, and it's just perfect like it's, it's really impressive how she's able to write pop songs so well and, and still maintain what you talk about and I, I think what I hear on this compared to her last EP is Her being more introspective, which I think can only mean good things for her moving forward. And obviously, there's going to be an inner monologue part two, I'm guessing, probably in a couple months. I'm really excited to see where she goes with it. And I I think she's going to be around for a really long time. She just seems to kind of have that songwriting ability that stands out. And she's got a lot of backing from big artists, so she's going to be able to get features to to buoy her along. Uh, No doubt about it. Putting her and Maggie Rogers together, who do you stand for more? That's
1: interesting because... I think Maggie Rogers has more of an identity as a performer. I think it's pretty obvious. But you give the writing edge to Julia Michaels, I think. She has quite the body of work for someone who's in her early 20s. And, I mean, I, yeah, speaking of Maggie Rogers, something else we reviewed last week, Mike Posner, also had a similar message as Julia's song, Happy. But he did not tackle that nearly as tactfully and as, I think, artistically sound as Julia did. You know, and I think that just speaks to how talented she is with the pen. But yeah, Maggie Rogers is an interesting comp because, you know, I saw some uh not hate, but some like, you know, break pumping on the, the Rogers uh album after we talked about it. And it does seem like maybe she could use some more A and Ring too, but she's also not like going right to the middle of pop either. So I, they're they're actually interesting to to compare because neither one is doing something so like milk toast or anything, you know?
0: Yeah, I, I think I, I like maggie a little bit more only because i feel like like you said her sound has a bit more of an identity and i think i think one of the biggest knocks against the maggie album is that it's a bit overproduced at points kind of drowning out her which i i don't know if i would totally agree with i think that there are some points when maybe production could have been stripped back a bit but i think just maggie's general sound and her vocal abilities are what's going to drive her and she writes still meaningful songs even if she could use maybe a little bit more seasoning and the writing area as well. It'd actually be interesting to see them team mm. up and how they would be able to create an album together, but I doubt that they <laughs> would uh, do that at this point in their careers. Yeah, I was
1: just scrolling on uh, Julia Michaels' Wikipedia the songwriting section. It's fucking long, dude. She's written a lot of songs for a lot of big artists. <laughs> I think most recently song would really like Make Me Feel from Janelle. It's one of the more recent ones. But mm. shes I mean, got it. it there, she has so many credits. But yeah, I hope <laughs> she continues to try and grow as a performer because she's Talented enough that she does not need to just be a background songwriter. A lot Usually, no. you don't get a lot of attention that way, and you don't get the props. So, yeah, please
0: keep pursuing it. You know, another young 20-year-old, 24-year-old, <laughs> I believe, same age as Julia, is dreezy. A little different. B- she dropped her album, Big Drees. Is this her album? Her official like album debut? No, it's her <laughs> second, second one, album, right? yeah.
1: The first one came out in summer 2016. Right.
0: No hard feelings, right? It was like
1: some cuts off that. Nothing really was too big of a hit. I guess the song with Jeremiah Body was her the biggest, got the most YouTube plays, anyway. But she has not made like a huge chart impression. She's certainly not over. All over mainstream hip hop, the way Julian
0: Michaels is all over mainstream pop, that's for sure.
1: Was this your first experience listening to her?
0: Yeah, I, th- I think I had heard Bob before, but in passing, not a song I really identified uh, more than just that uh, sounds familiar. I was pretty impressed with her. My overall impression is she can spit. She's able to switch up flow. She's able to drop very uh, intricate rhyme schemes and lyrics, but she tries to move back into this R and B type song every once in a while and that's when the album i felt like really hit its low points not that she's not good at it, but just there's so many people in this sphere that do it so much better than she does that it just feels like if you if you're really good at this one thing not that you shouldn't try to branch out as, as an artist but maybe just start incorporating it into songs rather than building songs around that I guess when your big, biggest success of a song is with Jeremiah, maybe that's going to influence you <laughs> to move more in that sphere. But the songs that sat me were when she was just spitting. What about you? What do you think? Yeah,
1: I agree with that. I think this album, I sound like some of the hooks are pretty weak, especially when they're sung hooks and just guessing. But I think the reason she did that on this album is because two years ago, none of the Rapity Rap songs really popped that much for it. Like We Go Ride was really good. Spaz was really good. Those songs didn't really move, though meanwhile a lot of other ladies in her lane have popped up in less time and already gotten bigger than her like Saweetie and City Girls and like Cash Doll and all the other doll rappers that Cash Doll's featured on this like they've all come up and basically done a lot of same stuff Dreezy's been doing for longer but they've had hits since you know and thus gotten bigger and more attention more more clout all that so I think Dreezy probably sees or saw that maybe she needs to change it, change up who she is to try and get a hit. It feels like she's fishing, and I would prefer that, uh, like you said, just stick to her strengths or at least focus on the strengths rather than just throwing them away. Pure R&B, pure crossover joints, I don't think are smart really for most people to do when that's not what your main focus is, but yeah, you can, you can switch it up a little bit, sure. But I think my favorite songs in this was the beginning like chicken noodle soup and uh play with you like those are fucking bangers like she's got bars i mean we've known she's got bars for like five years because she first popped up with the shy Rack freestyle the Nicki minaj single and she fucking kills that song she has great raps i just would love to see her have a song pop off and get a hit so that she can move on from there it just feels like she's still kind of fishing just trying to get get some traction with this album which is a little disappointing
0: chanel slides is a song that I ride for like that that song the like the way that the bells are so like I don't know, like chilled into it it just like <laughs> makes this a fucking awesome song I feel like they both spit really well on it I also really like Where Them Dollars At yeah that was a uh, lead the singer. final song that song really jumped out to me you mentioned a couple in the beginning uh, Chicken Noodle Soup and Play With Ya yeah All right, well, we'll let's talk off air about which ones we want to add to the playlist. I think there's a couple big trees as an album. Okay, Dreezy as an artist, intriguing. I'd like to see her maybe uh, get a couple more strong features in before the next one and see if she can start really finding what where her her groove is at. Someone that seems to have kind of found his his groove, though, is this guy Boogie. Tell me about Boogie because I wasn't familiar with him until this album.
1: Yeah, I first heard Boogie and I want to say it was 2015. I just saw a blog post or something that said, like, new artists to watch. And, you know, I, I don't often check all the artists I see. There's just so many. But I started checking him out. And he had this song called Oh My, which I really liked. And kind of, I think it was on his mixtape called The Reach. Uh, yeah, so 2014. Yeah, I was like, all right, this guy's cool. This guy's new. Let's uh, see what happens. And, like, it, it was just quiet from there for me. And he dropped a few projects since then. But I didn't really get, get much attention. He didn't get my attention. And then a few years ago, he signed the Shady, signed Eminem. And I was like, interesting choice, because he's a West Coast guy. Not the first idea, I would think, to sign the guy from mm-hmm. Detroit. Also, as a young artist, we can count on one hand how many artists Eminem has really helped that he signed. It's not many. Being on Shady Records and Interscope, I thought it was a little questionable. But comes back with this new album, Everything's For Sale. It's Dave major label debut anyway. And... Definitely a different artist than the one I first met, but definitely someone who's seemingly got a little wiser, a little definitely came into his own a little bit, and is definitely bringing stuff on this. So yeah, he Actually, now he reminds me of, I want to say, uh, Buddy, another West Coast rapper who dropped a good album last year, but I, I was a big fan of this. So I thought he definitely exceeded my expectations, to simply, but what was your take for someone who you had really no preconceived notion of?
0: Yeah, at first, I mean, this is going to show my ignorance, I was like, is this just a boogie like yeah what? i was like am sure. i gonna be listening to an a boogie album but not when when i turned this on i was really surprised you know it's got these people dressed all in red carrying a casket on the cover i was kind of like eh, what am i going into here and this this actually blew me away i texted you saying that if i had to guess where breezy and boogie are from i probably would have guessed opposites because i feel like boogie really has a lot more of a chicago sound sure uh you know a lot more jazz uh soul influence on on this album and it's produced really really well and it's it flows together great it's introspective it's got a lot of uh songs to talk about Feeling unsure about yourself, feeling you know dealing with loss dealing with securities I think it's it's really not only a meaningful album but it's well produced it's an interesting listen and there's a bunch of songs that I wrote down as songs that I want to come back to, yeah yeah, I was blown away. boogie superseded my expectations and then some mm-hmm. did you love this album as much as I did?
1: yeah, I liked it a lot. I thought uh, silent ride was pretty dope. I like towards the end I really liked self destruction that was one of the lead singles, but I thought that was a nice play on a Mainstream stuff that's popular, but not actually appealing. You know the Zans and all that stuff. He's not the first guy to do this, of course, but I think if you can comment on that and explain or show why that's why that's not how you move on a song that's still good, sounds nice, and, and it was enjoyable without the lyrics, I think that's that's an impressive feat. I think that's what he does in self destruction. And then I thought uh, this song with JID Soho, really tight two minutes song that also is quite lyrically dense. If you want to listen to it. Mm-hmm. And has like that switch up at the end. That song really impressed me. I mean, I have some thoughts on the Eminem feature, of course. But I think (laughs) there's not a lot of features when Boogie is by himself. I think he definitely holds his own. And yeah, I agree. I think the jazz rap is more unique to Chicago for sure. But frankly, if this is what you're going to make, signing to Shady makes way i mean he sounds like he could be on tde right now speaking of west coast right, artist yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah no i agree i think the self self-destruction jumped out to me lol shake my head interlude i thought was uh one that really stood out to me it has like a great switch up where the drums come in it's like it goes from being this like softer song to a little bit more intense yeah the soho with jid i thought was awesome and i thought jid was fucking great on that oh, So yeah, yeah I, I was just really impressed i don't think there's many bad songs on this i mean it's only 37 minutes i think there's 14 tracks something mm-hmm. like that so it's it's not a long listen give me your, all your thoughts on the, uh, the m&m feature though
1: well here's the thing if you signed the m&m you should have an m m feature that's them, that's fair mm-hmm. that he sure. should at least do you that it's kind of like you signed the dreamville cole should give you a feature and he usually does mm-hmm. so i was like yeah hey, you should have an m feature fine the problem is Getting Eminem to do anything for you these days requires Eminem to needlessly complain about how everyone <laughs> treats him and talks about him and doesn't like him now. It's just so tired, and I just don't want to hear it from him. hone your craft, bring a new idea to the table. You're a smart guy. Stop bitching. I'm just tired of hearing that. <laughs> oh, and frankly, shit. that's not what Boogie's song was about, and you just stole. you just took a headline away from him i thought that was pretty whack
0: Yeah, i'm just waiting for eminem to write write the next diss verse about you dog i mean you just told him to stop bitching. like
1: outlets that write legitimate outlets that write reviews of his albums that are critical because their last albums have justly earned criticism his pr team and his, his management don't play nice with those outlets now because of unfavorable coverage like it's it's so weak and it's so childish i'm just so tired of it but get it out of your art man you can bring more to the table still i hope please do that <laughs>
0: Hmm, not playing nice with a media outlet that talks about you a way you don't want to be talked about. (laughs) Hmm. Hmm. No, I I think we we both agree. Uh, Three of the four albums we talked about are uh, really strong. Um, And even all four, I think, are good. So a strong week for music. We've gotten off to a pretty hot start in 2019 with some really good projects that have dropped so far. We didn't talk about Weezer's Teal album just because it's a bunch of covers and no one needed them. And this is what happens when you take a good idea, like making a cover of Africa and just (laughs) going way too far with it. So the most Weezer thing ever. I literally was just like, why? (laughs) Why are we doing this? (sighs) All right. (laughs) Jumping to something that I was really really glad I was made and i not know i needed in my life sex education Lori nunn's newest show for netflix uh, it's a teen drama comedy however you want to put it and i think i just want to start with man this really blew me away but what blew me away most was i didn't recognize jillian anderson until like episode six i was like who is this woman like she looks so familiar and then i was like it's fucking agent scully are you kidding me Crazy dog,
1: British production and definitely a British show. But having Julian Anderson there as like the lead as the selling point of the show, at least initially, was great because I thought like all of her line readings were awesome. You know, yeah. she just she was a great presence and felt like a presence on the show versus someone who's just like there in the background. Which is funny because I quickly noticed this: there are two scenes where Julian Anderson is not in the house. She was not on set that long.
0: <laughs> oh, that's true. Wow. The two
1: scenes she was in the car, uh, beginning of season, end of the season. Everything else, she's just in the house. Get that back. Why not? <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and she was great. But what was really great about this was you get these performances from, I don't want to say unknown people, but outside of what, Asa Butterfield, Gillian Anderson, who else yep. do you really know on this show?
1: I mean, even in the UK, these are all pretty much newcomers. So yeah, it's uh, honestly, thematically and culturally, it's a lot like Skins, the UK run. Skins yep. was a show that, also talked about sex, also portrayed it uh, pretty raunchily but was a big jumping off point for a lot of UK actors such as Nicholas Holt. And I think that's an easy analog for this because, yeah, like Asa Butterfield, we know him from Ender's Game and almost cast him as Spider-Man, but he hasn't popped off too much. And all these other people, uh, despite being his peers, are pretty new. So I think it was a nice moment for Netflix in terms of minting new stars because I've been checking all their socials since I started watching the show, and they are skyrocketing good for them
0: yeah i don't think anyone's skyrocketing more than uh emma Mackey, who she jumps off the screen in this her presence is phenomenal you know she's cast as mave wiley i mean she's basically just like this misfit who is like too smart for her own good has a terrible family relationship and is now kind of like the emo girl in the school but not really even emo just like badass i don't know intimidating
1: but meanwhile she has the reputation as uh what cockbiter was it Uh, (laughs) just like the school slut by no fault of her own you know but just plays into (laughs) a lot of the the themes of the show yeah she clearly is the standout to use use a cliche she's electric on screen like the margot robbie jokes are funny because she does actually look a lot like margot robbie you know if we separate that she actually is talented and i think it's funny because i think this show all these newcomers a lot of them Get a lot to do, which I think is pretty impressive. Like none of these characters really are like stereotypes or easy to pin down as like tropes. Eric could have easily just been like the gay black friend, but right. he wasn't that. And even Asa Butterfield as uh, Otis, <laughs> Netflix and the UK shows—they've been doing a lot with uh, uh like the timid, like sad British boy, like uh, End of the Fucking World and Bandersnatch, right? We've seen that, but he's a little more than that, and there, there, there's some nuance there. So I, I was quite impressed with how well it used its ensemble. And also how more mostly subverted, like, the cliches and stuff. And if you just, like, look at the show, like, yes, it's a UK production. They they shot it all over in England and Wales, and they they obviously speak, like, English people. But it also has, like, an 80s aesthetic, and it's clearly indebted to John Hughes, like, the Breakfast Club and stuff. Which was awesome, because I think a lot of young kids are going to obviously find the show the same way they find, like... 13 Reasons Why, something way worse than this, world, like Riverdale, where they find these shows on Netflix and attach to them because they're about younger people. And I think this actually kind of will kind of expose them to like a more artsy portrayal of that kind of stuff. So I was uh, pretty th- enthusiastic about that. Also, uh, it has like 80s and 70s music throughout, big songs. Uh, they license lots of stuff, like Dancing With Myself, right? Uh, Heart of the City, there's a lot of stuff like that. So I think there's a lot of stuff to like in this show. And again, for a mid-January drop on Netflix, they drop out a million things. Uh, quite, quite refreshing, and honestly, really impressive that they really kicked off the year with uh, something so strong.
0: I think just the 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 framework of the show is so brilliant, you know um you bring in something that's somewhat taboo but that you know all teenagers all high school students are thinking about talking about it's something that they obsess over which is sex and am am i doing it right am i why haven't i done it as much as this person like all these kind of questions and then you put otis in the middle of this as this like uh, sex therapist by proxy because of his mom i guess like you know and that's first of all you can just make it the each individual episode watchable on its own because he's following Mm -hmm. different cases each episode but then you have the through lines of the different relationships and how that ties back you know otis with uh mave and eric with uh i guess spoiler like adam by the end but like they, they even their relationship throughout the whole thing the bully uh and the person being bullied is is really interesting i just think that it was really smartly made and laurie nunn i mean just hit you know knock this out of the park probably my favorite character in the show was eric just because i felt like he you know we talked about this when we reviewed call me by your name but he was allowed to be you know a gay person who has issues but he was way more three-dimensional than just being a gay person who has family issues and isn't totally accepted and you got to see him as a character trying to fit in outside of being gay, you know, just not fitting mm-hmm. in or being a social outcast in some respect, which I thought right, was just being different. Right, was really cool. You got to see him cross dressing and and how he likes to do that at some points and really likes to express himself in different ways, which I thought was really cool. But I think it, what I really wanted to get to with this is, even though this is a a, a comedy in, in most respects, the drama episodes and the drama aspects were probably what I liked the most. Like I think it was episode five when Eric and uh, Otis had that fight on Eric's birthday and everything related to that. And I thought that that was one of the best moments of the show because it it really carried a lot of weight and both those actors really nailed that scene and just the interaction in general. Um, The ups ups and downs of that episode with Otis and Maeve and then him and Eric fighting at the end is really great. Uh, I just think that this show interweaves so many different aspects of of culture, um, identity of... Sex like it it did so much really well to make it a really enjoyable watch overall. Like, I'm I'm really impressed.
1: Yeah, and like even some of the side characters like uh, Jackson, you meet him first and you're like, oh, he's the he's the head boy. He's the successful guy who's the the jock and gets all the ladies. Like we we know what that is. But no, there's that they actually unearth a lot with him throughout the season. Yeah. I think Adam was a character I think I struggle with a lot just because the stuff at the end. I, th- I think I was reading that some people saw that coming right away. Like I know uh, Nakuti Gatwa, who plays uh, Eric. He said when he read the script for the first time, he guessed that right away. I didn't see that coming. I wasn't really trying to think of anything like that. But I don't know. I just his character is a little weird for me, and like especially because they shipped him off at the end. They kind of mm-hmm. just like it was like a neat explanation almost. I don't know. Other than that though, I thought like even like another lady edition, like Ola, or a review pointed this out to me. But I was thinking about it as I was watching it. I couldn't quite put it down, but. At the at the dance, they show her wearing a tux. I think a lot of people guess, oh, she's going to be a gay character, and she can't, you know, date Otis. No, 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 she's just wearing a tux because she wants to, and no one bats an eyelash. Meanwhile, when Eric starts to wear stuff that's not quite uh, heteronormative the school, everyone notices, you know? It's a subtle way to show the different uh, taboos among the genders, right? So I thought that was really smart. I just needed someone else to point that out for me to really quite notice it uh, fully. But, yeah, I think it's it's funny because like there is some like tropey cliche stuff like this the the, the love triangles th- towards the end but at the end of the day the, the premise is so rock solid i think the pilot is incredibly strong i mean i, I challenge anyone to watch that and be like no nah, i don't need to watch this because <laughs> right. like, it really it really nails it and mm-hmm. and the, the, there's a lot of funny stuff too there's so much sexual humor There's so mm-hmm. much humor of just kids being dumb and stuff right but all those sex scenes, in which there's a lot of it, it's still quite a raunchy show. It's like all pretty soft core at times, right? But like it's done so like tastefully. It never mocks anyone, even someone who uh, who comes into the show uh, later. What's her name? The girl who uh, who, who just wanted, wanted to get laid to get it over with. And i uh, oh, try to do it with Otis. I forget yeah. anything. I wrote it down somewhere. Can't find out my notes. But even her character, they never like mock her, even though she has like weird fetishes, per se, right? Lily. And Lily, yes. Yeah. And Lily, like Lily Ola. Like every time you meet someone, in this, they, they feel fleshed out. And it's quite impressive, especially for a show that is about younger people. Yeah, I was blown away. Really liked it.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Fuck Headmaster Groff like oh, was well, just an absolute <laughs> dick in like every way possible nothing yeah, redeeming about him at all and yeah just thinking about the different characters that uh, you know i really liked on this one that grew on me a lot was uh mave's friend uh i believe her name was amy amy yeah the episode with with her learning how to masturbate and then like showing her when she finally like figures it out that that scene had me dying. I was like crying in tears, like watching it. It was so <laughs> right. good. Yeah. So many like funny things like that. When Otis was like watching the lesbian porn as like research and Ola walks in on him. Like, <laughs> it's for research it's not that okay. research <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's Such a creepy answer yes yeah, it's, it's so funny yeah the the show is just really smart and uh, I i can't wait for a second season i i I have to imagine it's probably already been picked up so it hasn't
1: been officially ordered yet but they did confirm that scripts are in early development they also announced that it's on pace to be watched by 40 million people by by one month now, granted, that, that means 40 million people would have watched 70% of one episode, according to Netflix, so it's kind of a weird statistic. And, of course, no one can verify it because it's Netflix. But it's safe to say it's popular. Just judge the social media. Netflix has made all these kids fucking huge right away. But, yeah, I, I think season two is definitely likely. Obviously, we wouldn't get it this year, uh, considering they haven't started it yet. But exciting, for sure. Also very excited to see what Emma Mackey does next because she clearly has some star power, that's for sure. But, yeah, I mean, just in conclusion, I think... I'm really happy the show exists and hopefully gets more popular than something like Thirteen Reasons Why, which is really big. Is because like this really tackles like like real themes tastefully. Abortions in this, sextings in this, public shaming, coming out.
0: Yeah, there's a lot in here,
1: and I think almost all of it's handled really well. Yeah. So yeah, really impressive show.
0: Something not nearly as impressive. We got the box office to prove it. Serenity, <laughs> Stephen Knight's newest film <laughs> yeah bizarre <laughs> bizarre film uh, we'll we'll get into that in a minute but i mean th- this was a, a film starring matthew McConaughey, you got anne hathaway diane lane jeremy strong
1: jason clark
0: J- yeah jason clark Juman hanshu like you know you, you have the cast and you're like oh okay this this will be pretty good you you see the previews it basically looks kind of like Matt McConaughey on island fishing, Moby Dickish kind of. Like he wants sure, to catch this big, Moby Dickish this big tuna. <laughs> and then it gets pushed back from an October release to January. Never a good sign. Like you don't, no. <laughs> you don't want your movie to be coming out during award season time and then pushed back to film dump time of the year. <sighs> well, we went to go see it this weekend because pretty much everybody's like, "Man, this movie. What the fuck was that twist?" And I, so I, I like had to know. I was like intrigued at that point. And man, Mm -hmm. I I almost wish I didn't know (laughs) (laughs) because a lot to unpack here.
1: It's Lego Island the game. (laughs) Yeah.
0: This this film only made, I think, what, like 4 million this weekend? 4.8.
1: 4.4 million. It's not actually the worst wide opening of the year, though. Uh, A few weeks ago, Fiona Reeves dropped replicas, which also looked horrible (laughs) and apparently is horrible. That did even worse. But 4.4 million for that many big name actors. Not good. Future. lost to Third Week of Glass and a million yeah. other movies
0: <laughs> yeah so i guess maybe we should start by talking about the twists. i feel like i feel like you really can't talk about the film without talking about the twist in this because there's not really much more interesting it's matthew mcconaughey on an island trying to catch this big tuna and ann hathaway comes to the island and says i want you to kill my husband jason clark on a, mm. take him out fishing and kill him now he's on a yeah. caribbean island called plymouth island which is just like Bizarre to think about, and it cuts back and forth between his son and his room at his house. and Sometimes they can communicate telepathically, it's very strange. A lot of naked Matthew McConaughey, very strange. Yeah,
1: shout his butt, you know, why not
0: (laughs) have it in there when he's talking with Diane Lane? He just strips down naked, it's like, I'm gonna go go take a bath. It's like, what?
1: Yeah, and that was when I first raised an eyebrow because, like. (laughs) The camera, the way they film him doing this swan dive ass naked off this big cliff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait a minute. What's going on here? Yeah. You know? it's... Because at first I was like, all right, this is conceit's fine. This, it's the one we got in the trailer. Fisherman Island uh, is going to try and kill Jason like, Okay, fine. Okay, I'll watch these actors do that. Whatever. The problem is quickly changes and it's not actually about that at all. But you have not a sense in the world when you watch the trailer that that's what the movie is. Yeah. So when the movie has this poor dialogue... And it's just this in left field. It just doesn't work and it pisses it off the audience, which is why I got a D plus cinema score.
0: Yeah, you know, it's actually funny because I, I was thinking about the way that they shot him walking to the cliff in that scene where he strips down naked and it's very like jilted, which I guess makes sense for the twist of it being a video game that's the son is using as uh, a way to deal with living in a domestically violent household. Where the you know his stepfather Jason Clark is abusive towards his mother and towards him. And he makes this video game where his dad, his biological father Matthew McConaughey, Baker Dill.
1: Baker Dill.
0: What a stupid name! Is living in this fishing island because he had one memory with his dad and it was fishing. Although the timelines of that don't even add up well because that kid was what thirteen in this film. Don't don't think too <laughs> <Yeah>. hard, man. <laughs> there's too many holes. There, there's too many holes in this. It's a weird <laughs> twist it really raises a lot of questions as you look at everything in retrospect, you know, like sex scenes between his dad and his mom, sex scenes with this random woman on the Island, uh, playing chase the cat across the Island. Uh, how the hell does Jeremy Strong's character even make sense in this world? Like, is he just a person in the game? Like none of it makes sense.
1: He's an NPC. Like they all are, I guess. I don't know. It was just so bizarre. And I remember like when they finally like put the cards on the table and Strong like opens up the briefcase and explains it all. He's like, I'm the rules. Mm-hmm. I remember like thinking to myself, I was like, What? Yeah. <laughs> no. Like what? Why are you doing this? Like, I was out. And the more it happened, I'm like, No, we don't like watching kind like, of roll around and like can't get out of bed till five AM and he he yeah. can't roll through the red light. I'm like, God. Yeah. It's like, I already know how this ends now. It's so lame. <laughs> <laughs> And meanwhile, I think the dialogue is poor. It's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. But then, like, because of that, McConaughey is giving, like, one of those, like, pre-McConaissance, like, I'm going to chew the scenery performance. But even when there's other characters in the scene with me, I'm still going to chew the scenery and not give them anything, you know? Mm-hmm. And Hathaway has no idea what to do with her role because it's, it's, it's pretty simple. She's a trophy wife who wants to kill her husband. That's it. Nothing to it. I thought Jason Clark looked like he was having the most time, most fun time. Yeah, because he was just being a total dick and being as obnoxious, and at least he was having a laugh. But, uh, God, it's uh, it, it's rough and it's funny because I, I I saw a lot of the like you said a lot of the reaction. Like, what the fuck is this mm-hmm. early contender for 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 what the fuck movie? Blah blah blah. I was like really? I thought it was just going to be a bad movie about the fishing. Mm-hmm. Well, what are you talking about? There's a twist? Right. No one thought there was a twist in this. Literally, we, everyone who watched the trailer, no one thought there was a twist. Why did there need to be a twist? It's just, it's such like a, it's like, high concept. Man in video game. Must break game. But like, do we really need to do this? Like, I don't <laughs> know. It's it's, it's something, man. It's some Truman Show bastard.
0: <laughs> yeah. We, we didn't, we didn't need to do this. We, we did it. Anyway, um, man, I think what what you said actually rings so true. Is that this is just so lame of a twist? And I, you know, Julianne afterwards, I saw him with my girlfriend. She's like, "Yeah, well, maybe the dialogue was that bad because it was just in a like thirteen year old kid's head." And I was like, "That's a really bad thing to do with a movie is to just be like, we're gonna make yes. this dialogue bad just because it's gonna fit this narrative. That's stupid in the first place." Like, that's funny because that makes meta sense right but is bad movie making right <laughs> and therefore you can't do it yeah i mean she was like well yeah man maybe all that stuff's just him being like a horny 13 year old boy i was like i don't need to be in this horny 13 year old boy's head to enjoy this film like they could have yeah. just made it this stupid like noir film where he has to like grapple with do i want to be a good person bad person kill this guy like that would have been fine it would have been just a bad movie mm-hmm. it would have been fine but now it's just a weird twist that just super lame i don't know very very bad and jason clark man he just can't stop getting cucked in movies like i feel so bad for the dude In mudbound gets cucked by his brother this movie gets cucked by matthew mcconaughey and then there's that movie coming out with him and kieran knightley
1: the aftermath getting yep. cucked by alexander
0: Skarsgard. like dude just can't catch a break you know stop getting married in movies jason clark
1: um on the other hand in chappaquiddick as yeah. ted kennedy he definitely did some cucking. definitely did some <laughs> um
0: yeah and and some killing so is what it is any last thoughts on serenity
1: yeah no no no, <laughs> no. <laughs> don't it's, don't uh, go see it it's <laughs> at the bottom of my list i've seen two three movies that came out this year Or two movies that came out this year it's it's two right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: what would you what would you rate it like out of a hundred
1: on letterbox i gave it a one and a half Ooh. out of five <laughs> not good and that might actually be too nice yeah to be honest yeah it might be a one.
0: I originally was like, ah, it's a 30. And the more I like think about it, it's like, eh, probably like a 15. Like you're probably right. I mean,
1: you got to think it's like 10 point scale, hundred point scale, whatever scale you're using, the bottom of the scale usually isn't used that often. Cause generally art is never worthy of that bad of a review. Usually it's good enough. Right. But when there's something that's this bad, we probably should get dust off the bottom of the scale. <laughs> you know?
0: <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll wrap up there. Um, what we got next week?
1: <laughs> yeah, so uh, Sundance is going on right now. Most of those movies are without release dates, without distributors right now. We'll talk about them at time. Uh, but one of those movies, Velvet Buzzsaw, is already coming out this Friday on Netflix. Ooh. Jake Gyllenhaal reuniting with uh, Dan Gilroy, Nightcrawler. Uh, it's like a horror thriller movie art scene. I don't like horror movies. I'm going to give it a shot. Um And I saw some good first impressions so far since the premiere. So I'm excited for that. Black Earth Rising came out last Friday on Netflix, another eight-episode miniseries from uh, Tony Blick, also an English show. Uh, We'll talk about that next week, so watch that. Meanwhile, this Friday as well, alongside Velvet Buzzsaw, Russian Doll is coming out. We'll talk about that in two weeks. That's a comedy series, half-hour series from Amy Poehler, of all people, Uh, and apparently is quite good. And maybe we'll talk about Cold War, if you manage to see that. I just finally got around to that. Movie is lovely. So definitely yeah. see that out. If you've seen that, it's expanding very slowly throughout the country. So, yeah, great movie. Lovely
0: and 82 minutes long. Perfect. For real, man. Perfect. It's legit. <laughs> uh, so, again, follow us, uh, soundcloud.com slash nowstylejapod. Give us that five-star rating on iTunes. And also hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Uh, we, we appreciate you. I can't wait till Anthony Davis is on the Celtics next year, and Lakers, and the Patriots when they're uh, six Super Bowl this Sunday. So go Pats! Mm. Peace out.